Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. September is Suicide Prevention Month. You heard on these airwaves just yesterday uh, much attention being paid to suicide prevention, things that can be done, advice that can be given, uh, hands that can be reached out to lift up those who are in some distress. And continuing that theme, I want to cover uh, specifically a firearms issue. Uh, Dr. Marissa Hen is a name you may have heard on these airwaves in the past. She is the community health director at Intermountain Healthcare. And just last year, she testified in Washington, D.C. She testified in a House Ways and Means Committee oversight hearing uh, that looked at public health. She explains uh, here why the rates of suicide are so high in the United States. One reason is that our country has not grappled with the inextricable link between suicide and firearms. One of the only empirically based suicide prevention strategies is reducing access to lethal means, which here in the United States means reducing access to firearms for those who are at risk of suicide. International studies have found that when we put time and distance between people and lethal means, reducing the lethality or the availability, suicide rates overall decline by 30 to 50 percent. She's then asked the question, why firearms? Firearms are fast and fatal. When used, about 85 percent of suicide attempts with a gun result in death, compared to 2 percent or lower for the other most common methods. As we've heard, many suicides occur during a short-term crisis, And if a person has access to a firearm during this time and uses it, he or she is likely to die. If a person does not have access to a firearm and uses a a less lethal method, he or she is not only likely to live during that attempt, but as Dr. Sorensen said, is likely to never die by suicide during his or her lifetime. The details described there by Dr. Hen, unfortunately, uh, can be the source of much division between uh, advocates of gun control and gun regulations and those who would like to enjoy the Second Amendment freely. Uh, When statistics like this are are shared, uh, there are those who say, uh, no, 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 I I don't want you, I don't want the government uh, crafting any policy that's going to keep guns out of my home. My Second Amendment rights will not be infringed upon. Well, uh, it turns out that is a false Dichotomy. That is not uh, a choice that we must make. In fact, uh, this reality is not ignored by organizations like the Utah Shooting Sports Council. And its chairman, Clark Apotion, joins me now. Clark, sir, how are you? I'm well, Lee, and thank you for bringing this up. This is uh, this is National Suicide Awareness Month, and I think you summed it up very well. We don't have to be at odds on this thing. It doesn't have to be a pro-gun, anti-gun thing. That is a false comparison. 
And uh, and we see from working with the uh, with the healthcare industry, uh, Dr. Dr. Han, Marissa Han, and others out of Harvard University, that if the choice is to mitigate the problem and not and leave the rhetoric at the door, we can find some solutions. And Utah. I, I got to tell you, Utah is is best state to do it in. I think we we have very high suicide rates, very high. In fact, but we have it's interesting. From a gun perspective, um, we have very low homicide rate, one of the lowest in the nation. But we have one of the highest in the nation suicide rates. And of all of our gun deaths, all the gun deaths in in Utah, eighty six percent of them are suicides, not homicides, not accident not legal intervention but suicide stunning what uh how did this issue first or how did you decide uh to to bring your organization the utah shooting sports council uh into this situation why did you decide that it was something you wanted to get involved in i remember it very well it was representative steve elison uh he just happened to be my representative in Cottonwood heights uh district 45 i believe uh, utah house and he brought it to my attention. He brought me the numbers. And because, Lee, you know, gun rights folks, we're a little skittish when we start talking about, when people start talking about lock up your guns and reducing access to guns. We, we, do, we do tend to get skittish because we've, uh, we've been burned before. This is, it's not a pro-gun, anti-gun thing. It's a gun owner thing. When we find out that, you know, hey, gun deaths in Utah are you know, like I said, 86% of them are suicides. And the only people that are going to affect that number are gun owners. And so coming from, and when I got to tell you, if this came from a from a anti-gun or even healthcare industry, which I don't necessarily think is anti-gun, but it's gonna, we're going to be very skeptical about it. And we can't have that. As, as gun folks, we need to, one, realize the issue. And uh, the issue is, yeah. Um, those are some some very sobering numbers, and we have to fix it. We can do it better than the government can do it. We don't need government mandates. It, it's just like you know, do we need the government to come in when uh, somebody's drunk at your house, and do we need the government to come in and take their keys? No, you do it. You do it yourself with your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, and 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 we mitigate those drunk driving numbers because, quite honestly, hey, it's just like just like this. You know, the last thing a drunk person needs is access to a car. The last thing a person in crisis needs is access to a gun. How do, how do we limit that? How do we limit that access? By friends and family stepping in when they know somebody's in crisis and saying that awkward phrase, hey, man, hey, bud, you, you thinking about hurting yourself? How about I babysit your gun for, for a couple of days, two, three days, four days? A lot of times these suicidal ideation things are very transient. They're very short-lived. And I myself have guns in my safe that are someone else's because they just weren't, they were going through a rough time. Maybe they're going through a divorce or a job loss or a, you know, something like that. And they just need some time away. Yeah. And while they're in their correct frame of mind, they understand that potential, that vulnerability. You're in, you're in possession now of, you're in possession now of some firearms uh, from, from friends who've approached you asking for help? No, I am. And that's the thing. I didn't have to contact the police department. I didn't have to contact the ATF or the FBI and tell them about the guns and write down the serial numbers and all this kind of stuff. No, it's just between they and I. And when they want their guns back, they get their guns back. 
So it, it kind of puts a little bit of time. It puts a little distance. But if you have, let, let's say you have a kid. Let's say you have a kid that, you know, teenagers are darn rough. And they may be going through some time, and maybe they're very safe with guns, but this isn't about gun safety. This is about denying access to, to, a, to a kid, a teenager that's just going through a rotten time. And that, that ideation may last 10 minutes or 12 minutes when you put you know, thought to action. And if that gun is secured against unauthorized access, that may save them. Now, folks will say, Lee, well, if they don't do it that way, they're going to find another way to do it. And as Dr. Hen pointed out, yeah, they will. But without exception, all the other ways to arm yourself are less effective. And we find that once someone, you know, does try it and not succeed, they don't go back. The vast majority do not go back and and carry out that at a later date, carry out their, their suicidal ideations. So that gives us time. Gun locks. Gun locks uh, are an effective an effective tool to to limiting this access. In in some ways, yes. Uh, it depends on your audience. I mean, and gun locks. When I say gun locks, that's a that's a device that fits over the trigger or is a cable that goes up through the action. Uh, something that mechanically prevents the firearm from functioning. Yes, and they are they're absolutely a great idea. They'll slow it down. Uh, they're not they're not foolproof. So you need to think of your audience. They're, I mean. I mean, heck, I probably got stuff in my garage that I could cut the cable lock with, but they are great. It will, if it takes 10 minutes, 12 minutes to find the tool to cut that, typically the ideation, that suicidal ideation is, has gone, has surpassed for the time being. Uh, and, and we know that gun locks and denying access to those who shouldn't have access to them does work. Yeah. Now, and this is, this is something we can do, just the gun-owning community can do without a mandate. There isn't a mandate in Utah right now, and if we step up and we start doing this and we look out for our friends and our family and coworkers and neighbors, then we won't get a mandate because we have been fighting. Utah Shooting Sports Council has been fighting against these kind of mandates, which we don't think would work anyway for the last seven years on this topic. Clark, uh, got to let you go. Let that be the last word. Thank you so much. Clark Apotion with chairman of the Utah Shooting Sports Council. Before we go to break, I do want to let you know that Air Mountain Healthcare uh, does make gun locks available uh, from Intermountain. They can be picked up for free at any Intermountain pharmacy. So if you go to an Intermountain pharmacy, you let them know you need a gun lock. Uh, they've got them there to uh, to, to supply you. And it may just be uh, enough of what Clark here has described uh, to, to save a life. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to be speaking with a law professor from the University of Utah, Paul Cassell. You know him very well. He has just authored a study. The headline is The Minneapolis Effect and the Decline of Proactive Policing. What does he mean? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.